Okay, so today I had a bit of an aha moment and I don't know whether it's an aha conspiracy moment or whether it's an aha I've actually figured this thing out or whether it's just a, okay, yeah, you're completely off the mark moment. But um, the Tigray election is coming up and I've done my last episode on the Tigray election and why I think it's such a vital, vital component to... Um, modern-day Ethiopia, and something struck me this morning, and I realised that, okay, Dr. Abby has been, Dr. Abby, Mr. Abby, whatever, Abby, whatever you want to call him, has, um, has, has been awarded, he, we all know he got awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for making the country more democratic, you know, with his democratic reforms, and, um, Something just something struck me, and I've been thinking about it for a while. I think I mentioned it in one of my other episodes where I was critically analysing his personality. It's not very fair of me, but it seems to be like that's that's the appearance that you're getting when you when you look deeper and not just on the you know face value. Um, that he you know wants to be like an emperor in some ways. So I've had this thought, um, and I've been thinking about it for for a while, and about how how can he be championed for democratic reforms when Ethiopia was a democracy, and I think it's become a very. I think it's a very extremely unique um, way of government. I I've looked at you know a few different um, types of governments, and Ethiopia seems to be something. This federalism seems to be something that's you know not wasn't really ever um, trialed before. You know so. Um, someone was telling me that the Greeks weren't known for their knowledge, but they were known for their thoughts. So the ancient Greeks, you know, the philosophers of old, the first, the first real thinkers, they, they were known for how they thought, how they challenged what they were thinking. So um, they would collect knowledge from all around the world, and then they were known for challenging it. And it appears to me that that's what Melis did. Like he collected all of this knowledge from all of these different government systems and then he challenged it and said, okay, I'm going to create like in a really creative way, pull together all of the pieces of different systems that seem to work and um, and is using that. So it appears like from what I can see, look, many, many um, Ethiopians will have already figured this out because they speak and they speak and understand Tigrinya, Amharic, Oromia, you know, all of the 88 languages, which I don't. So, excuse me, I'm just um, discussing from my own knowledge of that I can collect through the English sphere and um, and that includes, you know, on the ground people in Ethiopia. But I can only, you know, get to my points as, as the knowledge comes through. So, anyway, I was thinking about it today. Um Melis has kind of in some ways created a Westminster system because you've got a president and a prime minister, a, an upper house and a lower house, like so. Um, and that is what Australia and New Zealand are modelled on, Canada is modelled on, which it's it's all to do – it's not to do with who's in power. It's it's the fact that you have three three legs to the table. So if two of them fall over, one picks up. You know, it's, it's meant to be a more even system where the Queen doesn't really – enact or do anything they're just a figurehead if the other if the democratic ways of voting in the senate and etc um are 
are overthrown. That's the difference between them and a republic. So a republic is just basically the House of Rep- well, I think it's the House of Representatives and the and the Senate. I don't the the most modern day example of a republic that I'm always thinking about is America. I don't know about any you know European republics. Um, and and the ancient Rome. So the the American Republic was based on the ancient Rome structure. Um, which was just basically the president, even though you've got the Senate and the, I think we have the Senate and the House of Representatives in our Australian Westminster system. Um, again, I'm not saying that that's where I live. I'm just saying as my voice is Australian, you can guess that that's where I'm from. Um, anyway, so they both allow the voices of the public to come through the House of Representatives and then get represented in the Senate. So um, it, that's how we acknowledge that we're a democracy because the the public vote in the House of Representatives and they vote. I don't know if we. I think we vote for a state senator. I'm not. Or so we state a state a senate. I think we vote for the house. We vote for the parliament. We don't vote for the actual people. I am a big. I'm not. not I'm not an expert on on all of this, but um, in America, they vote for the person and then they vote for the president on top of it. So they don't just vote for the ruling parties, they vote for the president himself. Now that president has um, overall power if they want to. They can they can bypass the Senate. I know in the Westminster system they can't necessarily bypass the Senate. Um, if the prime minister is is advocating too much power for himself. Um, we have the third leg of our system. So we've got the Senate, the you know House of Representatives and the Senate, we've got the Prime Minister and then we've got this salt, the third salt shaker as someone explained it to me. So we've got, to say we're at a, a dining table, we've got salt and pepper, House of Representatives salt, pepper is the Prime Minister and then we've got sh- the sugar bowl. And the sugar bowl is the Governor General or the representative of the Queen and that means that for something to drastically change in our constitution or in our ideology it has to go through all three all three have to agree to it so if one is pushing it and one is saying declaring that they've got more power they want more power than the other the other legs the other two it just it evens out it's it's something miraculous about the the Westminster system um and then you've got the difference between that and the republics of America for example is that the president is that third sugar bowl and that third sugar bowl can trump. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, it was funny before there was actually a person called Trump in charge. Um, can can overrule and say, we're, I'm just ignoring those two. And and this is going to go my way, which is, which is very dangerous because it can lead very quickly into a emperor-like state and a emperor-like state can lead then very quickly into a dictatorship. Um, and into from a dictatorship into a communist state or a yeah a fascist state I guess there's not really much difference um, a nationalist state if that's what fascism means I'm not I really don't even understand it I think it's an overused term but anyway that's just maybe because I don't understand it so with all of that aside I had to get to you to my point where I think I've had this aha moment um it's often discussed that the American Democrats are not necessarily democratic. Republic, yes, but not they want a republic, 
um, but not necessarily a democratic republic. If you look at the history of the Democratic Party, it was much more of an authoritarian kind of rule. Um, putting in the Jim Crow laws, like everything was was more and and you know more government in in businesses and stuff, which which leads to um, government having more control. So it is often the Democrats are often referred to as undercover communists. Um, and this isn't an opinion piece on what, it, you know, whether I think communism works or whatever, but I think um, that they, they're they starting to get exposed and, you know, pushing back. And that's fine if that's, you know, that's America's issue. They need to deal with that. But um, the thing that clicked with me today is the Democratic Party of America were very, very supportive of Doc- Mr. Abbey, Dr. Abbey, Mr. Abbey. I'll I'll never get I'll never get it right because you know I have too many different influences telling me how how I should address him. Anyway, they were very very um, supportive of him, as is the EU, um, you know, and whoever is in the Nobel Peace Prize committee. Um, and whether, like I said, this is going to sound like a conspiracy or not, but in my little ding 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 moment i i realized he he's not being championed for being for bringing on democratic reforms as in democratic reforms that we have in the westminster system because those reform, those that's already how ethiopia is set up it seems to be a combination of socialism a combination of westminster system a combination of um nationalism or federal, like the federalism seems to, Melissa's idea seemed to be something so unique that we just haven't seen. So it allowed for the um, the federal government to, you know, have a power over um, over infrastructure and schooling, and but each state to be autonomous. But those states had to, you know, combine together to create the federal government and. It's something that I think now that I'm looking at it, it really blows my mind. Like the, um, it was amazing what he was, um, what he was doing. It was, sorry, I got cut off there. Okay. So yeah, I was saying that Melissa's vision was something never, ever, I don't think we've seen before, um, in this, in the way that he set up the parliament and the government system of Ethiopia. And it was to allow each state to be autonomous, but also if they want to separate, they can separate. So, um, for example, if if army wants to go separate, they just need to take on building their own infrastructure and their own schooling and then they are an autonomous zone, they can become their own autonomous country, which I believe people have, um, you know, made that clear and, that, and that the people of Tigray have made that clear. That was part of the constitution that we are allowed to break free if we want to um, with and because of the ideology that was holding the EPRDF together and because Abby has formed his PP party and that is um, completely different ideology. We've, I've gone into that in the Tigray election episode. Um, I really believe that he has been championed not for democratic reforms. He has been championed for Republican reforms. Now, <laughs> like this is a huge moment for me because it then goes into the next, um, the next part of wow, is this what this guy's up to? So if if Ethiopia becomes a republic like ancient Rome or like America, he becomes almighty powerful. He becomes the number one figurehead. In the Westminster system, like I said, there's three figureheads. You can't – one 
it, it's to allow the power to be evenly distributed so that if one person goes mad, the other two pick up the pieces, they can overthrow and topple the third. The, you know, so if the Senate completely goes mad, the Prime Minister and the Governor General can fire them all. If if the Prime Minister goes insane and tries to, you know, take all power, the Governor General and the Senate can combine together and overthrow them. Um overthrow the Prime Minister. If the Governor General is, you know, trying to trumpet his powers, he gets overthrown by the Prime Minister and the Senate. So it's to allow for a more even distribution. Now, what I feel like is that is some, I don't know this, but I be, it, it seems to be a similar situation with having the Prime Minister and the President in, in Ethiopia. So the President acting on behalf of the, the sugar bowl. I don't know, like, if this is exactly what's going on, but that's how it appears to me. Um, and then the members of the EPRDF essentially form the Senate. So um, it appears to me that it, it was a combination of Westminster system without having a monarch because the one thing that all Ethiopians were trying to do was was um, was liberate themselves from a monarchy. Whether you are the TPLF, the OLF, you know, the Amhara, whatever, they all wanted to get rid of the monarchy. So that single figurehead that can be in charge. Um but Mongustu himself didn't necessarily want to get rid of the monarchy and not have a single figurehead. He took that power and ran as a dictator. Um, the TPLF came and removed that authoritarian dictatorship rule. So authoritarian dictatorship, it doesn't matter whether you are a left or a righty, you know, on, on the political sphere of li- liberation. So um, libertarians all were trying in the French and Russian and all of the revolutions of Europe. The the term libertarian came up when they were trying to overthrow the monarchy. So, um, you know, he, he went with that and then he became a dictator. Um, Stalin himself out of the revolution of the liber- – like the liberating the people from the, the Russian um, – imperial system also like dictatorship also came from there so dictatorship is a term that is coined for the left and the right i think um mongustu very clearly had an agenda to be a dictator and and he was overthrown by you know he was overthrown by a lot of people so a combined a combined force um and people have often said to me you know, oh, he he's working for Mungustu, and I've kind of thought, well, what what's the benefit? Why would how how does what he's doing benefit Mungustu? And it just clicked with me today. If he's been really okay, if we forget that he's been um, the Nobel Peace Prize for democratic reform, and we replace that with republican reform, based on what I've said before. If you have a republic, it's very, very easy to go back. It's very easy to just overthrow and become a, a dictatorship in a communist state or in a fascist state. I think it's just phenomenal that I've just had this moment. Like I, I can be completely wrong and, I'm, and I might be completely wrong and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that will just be like, you are a moron. Um, but... I'm just starting to realise if if he re- completes his power for another year, which is what he's suggesting with the coronavirus, I mean, it's not like this man has taken very strict measures on people's living um, environments. My own country, um, in Vic- the one state in my own country, has completely 
locked people down for nearly six to seven weeks, can't leave their houses, businesses are falling, economies falling over. So um, if, if Mr Abbey was so concerned about the coronavirus as the excuse for the, um, the election not being held, he would have been much stricter on the restrictions of people living in Addis. And as far as I know, business is still pretty, business as usual pretty much in Addis from what I understand. It's slower um, because people are choosing to stay indoors and not, you know, complete their business um, contractual obligations or whatever. Like people are choosing not to continue business, but the restrictions on business and et cetera, it's not there. So if he really was using the coronavirus as an excuse, he would be making it much harder for people to be to be spreading the coronavirus on the ground as they are, and he's not. He's not put in any you know restrictions. There's still uh, there's still um, there's still public transport. You know, markets are still being open. People can still walk freely about without you know the. 1.5 meter rule like it, it's not being enforced like there is so much more restrictions he could have put on people's daily lives till we've stopped coronavirus so the election is just an absolute rubbish ex- I mean using coronavirus for the election is just an absolute rubbish excuse it just allows him to have one more year of power um, as this prime minister which leads to more reforms of not democracy because Think about it. Like I've said, each state democratically votes. I, I said this in the Tigray election. Each state democratically evo- votes for the party to that is in charge of them. That is in charge of the state. Whether that party, if that if they voted for a party that refused to be part of the EPRDF uh, prior to Abby's, you know, Prosperity Party, if they if they voted for that, they they're voting for autonomy, and and they could have done that. That that was written into the constitution. If they want to become autonomous, they are allowed to become autonomous this idea of um modern ethiopia federalized ethiopia was an experiment and i think i'm pretty sure Melis is quoted in saying that this is an experiment if you want to separate you can separate but let's try and come under this one banner because you know we don't really have a we don't have another choice we've been forced together under historical ties from menelik it's only three it's only a hundred and something 200 years old not even this you know combined um this combined country of ethiopia so um it's just fascinating i think my aha moment summed up is mr abby has been incorrectly coined for bringing democratic reforms he's actually bringing republican reforms the republican reforms allow for a a very quick slide into um dictatorship and now this is where the twist gets where i've been trying to make all the pieces come together cut off again (laughs) covid it's so much fun being at home um anyway my aha moment was people have often said he's working for the amhara elite um I've I've mentioned before I believe that the amhara elite are no longer within necessary were no longer within necessarily within Ethiopia for the last 20 30 years they've been operating outside of Ethiopia in the diaspora in America in particular um and not really contributing necessarily to the country but a lot of very very vocal on on bringing diaspora support and um propaganda to the situation in Ethiopia because 
the Amhara elite, if you want to call them Amhara elite, I don't believe that term either. I, I still use the term Shuan elite. I think I've made it up myself um, because the term Amhara is also quite modern because of Menelik. Um, and I will discuss that after I've finished watching um, some amazing YouTube clips with some incredible historians. Um, anyway, so this elite group who were Mongustu's followers, I don't if you I don't even know what we can call them. I'm just gonna use the word Shuan because Shua was the region where the whole Ethi modern Ethiopia sprung from. Um anyway, they are Mongustu's followers. Mongustu was not just a socialist um and didn't just believe in social so <laughs> socialism like um Melis did. Melis started off as a Marxist socialist, but I believe kind of tapered down his beliefs as they as he created this new, incre like incredibly new environment of Ethiopia, federal federalized Ethiopia. I think he dropped a bit of the socialism and, um, you know, came up with this new ideology and this new this new way of looking at things. So, um, however, Mongustu himself just ran off into Zimbabwe with his ideas and has been housed and sitting there for the last 30 years and, you know, had quite free access to um, the diaspora. I apparently say diaspora wrong. I like the way I say it. I think it's diaspora, but I like diaspora. I don't know why. <laughs> so please, you know, just laugh at my English. Um, anyway, he, just because he's not in the country doesn't necessarily mean he hasn't been active in disrupting the country um, especially the he, the followers of his that have also left um, Ethiopia. So I've been trying to figure out how can he be working for Mungustu because I just smelt, I just have this gut feeling that this guy is is working for Mungustu. Like how how, and it and it clicked with me today. If he is pushing Republican reforms, um, which can lead to a dictatorship that can then very quickly slide into communism, full-blown Stalinism, you know, um, Chairman Mao systems, which is where Mongustu was at, and it's kind of gut-wrenching but, like, genius at the same time if this is what's happening. Like, it's absolute genius. Um, Abby, as I've discussed, I believe is a, is a narcissist um, and I, I don't necessarily blame him but for that. I think he was born with um, a lost identity and his mum tried to, you know, as all good mothers try to do, like encourage their children to um, have an identity. However, she gave him the identity of the next emperor of Ethiopia in his in her grand visions, which he's declared. Um, and I think so he's the best person to, to be put up to change this country into a Republic, um, because Republic means can can turn into dictatorship. Dictatorship can turn into communism. Can also turn into um, back to imperialism, or you know, having a single monastical leader. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you start saying that he's the son of Solomon. You know, he's he's one of the forefathers of the Solomonic dynasty, like with no evidence. But okay, cool. If that's how you're gonna get people to follow you, then go for it. Um, I don't know if that's what he said or if that's where he's going, but it, it seems to be like the very common um, denominator of emperors in Ethiopia. They just claim Solomonic dynasty and then 
and then that's it. They they claim they claim ownership. You can't you can't deny that and you can't refuse it because you know you can't prove it and you can't deny, you just can't prove it. So you know it is. They say that that's what it is. Manelik did it. Haile Selassie did it. Um. Anyway, it's just phenomenal. How I'm like, why? How? How? How does Mungus do benefit from? from Abu being in power and that's my theory he benefits because if you go republic you go dictatorship if you go dictatorship you can very dictatorship just means you just re-employ communism and if you want communism in place um you need a dictator and whether Abu stays in that role you know he's the best person to believe that he could become the almighty leader of Ethiopia emperor he already believes that that's what he's going to do whether he gets toppled over and and killed because he's looking at him from an um an imperial vision then then that's it but I think I've I think for myself that's how I've joined the dots um he's incorrectly been coined democratic he's not he's been he's actually a republican um, you know, wanting a republic, he wants to be the emperor of that republic or the dictator of that republic, um, and then from there, very easy slide into full-blown communism, which is Mongustu's modus of operandi. That's what he wants. Um, that's what his elite want. His elite have left the country, however they've been allowed back in. Um, Abi allowed everybody who was political um, assailant, uh, politically what is the word, um, ostracised back into the country. He has arrested the people against this vision, Johar, but he hasn't arrested any of the Amharas um, who have come back. And I just think, wow, whether I'm right or not is is yet to be proven, um, but it shows to me more why the Tigray election is so imperative into... Um, the modern political stance of Ethiopia and why every other state should be jumping on board. Um, Amharans themselves, if they want to, you know, if if they have forgotten their identity, which many of them had been forced to, you can't blame them for uniting under the Amhara identity, but um, they were forced to because of, because of um, Manalik and out of fear, I think people often will just say, yep, I, yeah, 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 I agree, I, I've become like this. I, I'm Amhara, forget about being Agawa Kement or anything else that we were and our languages and our identities beforehand, forget about all of that. We're going to just be um, this Amhara so we, for our safety because he was very violent. Um, I've mentioned before my history being of Eastern European background is, and, and part of our modus of operandi in the past was... Um, was extortion and I think Manalik and extortion basically meaning pay me your taxes, I'll protect, no, I will protect you if you give me money and they say, but I didn't even ask you to protect us. Well, if you don't give us the money, we're going to burn you down. And um, I believe Mungustu as well, but Manalik gained a lot of loyalty through families that way. So, um, and, you know, tribal leaders through that way. Um, I'll smash you if otherwise. Join me or I'll smash you. And we know that that happened in Oromi and we know that people um, people didn't care that he was extorting them. They fought back and, you know, there's there's a, a lot of – if I get to um, ever interview an 
or an RMO historian, I would love to one day or have a chat with one one day. So if there are anyone there, um, my email address is anna.mitmita at gmail.com. Um, anyone who is au fait in RMO politics, please contact me because or history because I would love to. So if you are an RMO, an RMO historian, um, I would love to hear your version of history. Um, and that means that I can get a bigger picture of, you know, what was actually going on around Menelik's time because I've only really um, read from the perspective of international historians, um, spoken to some local people. But the um, RMO experience is something really, really um, fascinating to me that I'd like to hear from. But um, again, that, that this just shows that I, I do believe from what I have read on the RMO perspective that they were there was a lot of extortion going on around the time of um, Manalik forcing people underneath the Amhara banner and they just, you know, straight out refused and, you know, good for them. I'm really, like, it's incredible. It's an incredible feat that they got to maintain their, you know, RMO status in some areas. Like, sure, they, they weren't successful, um, but in the, the vast majority they were. So, um Okay, how does this tie into what I'm saying? Okay, well, yeah, it ties into if we are looking at um, Mungustu's kind of communist state coming back, it's a denial of religion, it's a, de- a denial of inter- um, identity, it's a denial of sovereignty, um, identity sovereignty, it's it's identity politics number one basically drop your identity, become confused about who you are and the only person that you worship is the state. Um, forget about God, forget about everything else, just worship the state. The state is the king, the state is the God, the state is everything. Um, Abby has the mentality of wanting to be a ruler, of you know, being sent by God, so he fits the bill perfectly for a dictator um, and he fits... And by de- denying the people the choice to vote him out for one more year because of COVID, um, again, highlights to me that he's really trying to this dictatorship. This Republican um, system, dictatorship system, communism system, and that's how I feel like the Amhara elites, uh, Shuan elites, are supporting him. They supported him to get in from outside of the country. Um, they recognised his his capabilities of being a tyrant if he wants to be, um, based on his narcissistic belief that he is the next emperor of Ethiopia. Um, and that's a really quick slide into raising the red flag. Wow. I don't know if anybody else <laughs> feels like this is a big aha moment, but for me this is like a pretty big political aha moment. I think we're watching history. Um, communism really coming into the world at the moment anyway and I think Ethiopia is going to be one of the forefront runners of that if this um, if this guy isn't stopped. I think that he's been supported by the Democrats of America who I believe also want to employ this communist state um, because with communism comes, you know, it's like an imperialism. You know, like I said, dictators are like kings and and the state is your god. 
Um, whereas in the Westminster system, the Queen works for the people, not the people work for the Queen. It's imperialism in a different um, fashion. So we might have to have another whole liberation revolution moment in the next 300 years if this comes out and this is the way we're going. Who knows? I mean, a lot of COVID conspiracy theorists will agree because they say that's what's happening and I don't know. I'm not into all of those. So I don't cover off all of those bases. <laughs> I love Ethiopia and that's it. Um, well, I think it's it's clear to say that I love Melissa's Ethiopia, not Abby's. Anyway, um, I hope you're all staying safe and well. And yeah, I hope that one day I do hear from an Oromo historian. Um, I'd love to hear your history. Thanks a lot. Peace. Bye. Okay, so I just did a little bit more research. I'm not, as I say all the time, I'm not an expert on all of these things. So there are so many things that I could get pulled up on. Um, but the main thing that I wanted to pull myself up on is I kept saying we're a Republican, a Republic, a Republic. What I meant um, is that Mr. Abbey is trying to set up a presidential republic over what they currently have, which is a parliamentary republic. Um, it appears that there's not many countries in the world that have a parliamentary republic. Just um, Ethiopia, India has has it as well. I can't see on the map everywhere else. Um, but it is a very different system to the presidential republic, which is what I am suggesting he is trying to enforce um, and change. So instead of becoming a democratic republic, which they currently are, he and a government parliamentary democratic republic. I believe Mr. Abbey is trying to enforce a presidential republic, which is a quick decline into a dictatorship. Um, that's that. Okay. See you later. Bye.